0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Damian Barr and I have a book in my hands and it is Mother's Boy by Patrick Gale. Patrick Gale is one of our favourite novelists here at Salon. He's launched his last three novels with us and we are delighted that he has returned again for the launch of Mother's Boy, which is his 17th novel. And there is no trade-off between quality and quantity here. Patrick is simply one of our best writers and I've been so excited about this book since he told me about it a few years ago. Um, Patrick, as you will know, is based in Cornwall. He is the patron saint of the Penzance Literary Festival and in 2019, I went down there to talk to him about my own novel, You Will Be Safe Here. So it's a delight to have him back. Mother's Boy is about a very famous Cornishman The poet Charles Cosley, who is hugely anthologised and not very well known about personally. One of his most cited poems is about a boy and you'll know the verse It's Timothy Winters comes to school with eyes as wide as a football pool Ears like bombs and teeth like splinters A blitz of a boy is Timothy Winters So Cosley's work is obviously influenced by the Second World War and he served in the Navy and the book opens with him in the Atlantic in 1941. The ship was under attack and horribly exposed by a clear night and a full moon. So we're instantly in there with peril. Cosley was what was known then as a lifelong bachelor and supposedly dedicated to his mother who did everything she could for him. It's a story of a working class boy who becomes a poet. It's a story of finding yourself. It's a story of belonging. Mother's Boy is a terrific book. You're going to love this extract. I will leave you in the hands of the brilliant Patrick Gale.
1: Hello, I'm Patrick Gale, and I'm delighted to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon for my new book, Mother's Boy. This is the story of a real person, the great Cornish poet Charles Causley, and his no less real mother, Laura, who was a washerwoman. This section comes from about a third of the way into the book. Charles has reached his early 20s. And he is discovering himself, let's say, often in the company of his slightly more developed best friend, Ginger. And in this extract, which is set just before the outbreak of the Second World War, Charles and Ginger are on a day trip to Plymouth. They had certain rituals on visits to Plymouth. One was always to call in at the city art gallery on arrival, As it was close to the station and held such treasures, it always made Charles feel a little as he imagined pilgrims did on visiting a great cathedral. And they always called in at the same North Hill tea rooms for tea and a slice of cake. This meant that the unfamiliar thrill of then walking down crowded streets with multiple vehicles and wide pavements, gawping at the latest fashions in huge window displays, or admiring cars and gadgets that had yet to cross the Tamar, was heightened by the hum of sugar coursing through their veins. Even without cake, Ginger was excited by crowds. He liked playing games like Beard, where the first one of them to pass ten men with beards of a given colour was the winner and got to pronounce a forfeit on the other. Possibly because of his nickname, He was fascinated by redheads, and would appall Charles by engaging them in conversation, brazenly playing the role of shy country bumpkin new to the city. Once he had made them both almost hysterical, with nerves and laughter, when he devised a game whereby they had to follow a redhead wherever he went, until he happened to pass a second redhead they could follow instead. Today, his quarry was more specific. "'Look, Charles,' he said, as they emerged from good bodies. "'Sailors!' "'Well, yes, Plymouth is a major naval base, Ginger.' "'Yes, but look! Lots!' He gestured to where a quartet of sailors was strolling ahead of them, arms around one another's shoulders, which only emphasised the snugness of their uniforms. There were, Charles saw, sailors everywhere today, shopping like tourists, staring up at high buildings, Clustering at the doors of pubs. Ginger darted ahead before Charles could catch his sleeve, and, in his sprightliest manner, engaged the foursome in conversation. They surrounded him as he chatted, which Ginger clearly relished. Charles saw him mime reluctance with a shrug and point at Charles, and fancied he saw the four glance at him, as they might at some killjoy landlady, before they entered a pub unable to coax Ginger with them. Ginger darted back. There are three ships in, he said, destroyers. They say we'll find most of them up on the hole. so it's lucky that's where we were going anyway. He didn't explain why sailors rather than policemen or men with golden moustaches were suddenly that day's game in both senses. And this was a relief. When things were left in the realm of the implied, Charles did not feel compelled to pass judgment and assume a contrary position on moral grounds. Sure enough, there were more and more sailors on view the nearer they came to the sound. Their blue and white uniforms were so distinctive, so athletic and cheerful, compared to the bagginess and predominantly drab colour of men's suits, that seeing them en masse gave the illusion that the streets were brighter, even decorated. The happiness of the sailors on being ashore again, too, was infectious. He wondered how it must feel to live in a place subject to such friendly invasions. The nearest Launceston had was the start of the tourist season, and tourists were often fractious and bad-tempered after long journeys, and Launceston's castle inevitably less spectacular than many had been led to believe, its ancient traces more fragmentary. Ginger smiled broadly at a huge sailor with tattooed forearms like furry logs, who smiled broadly back, because Ginger's essential innocence had that effect on the most unexpected people. They're not just happy to be ashore, Charles said, demanding Ginger's attention, as he was still looking over his shoulder at the one with the arms. I think they're enjoying each other's company. You'd think after months at sea they'd be sick of each other or racing off to find women, but just look at them, taking such pleasure in each other. Ginger snorted and disguised it as a wet sneeze. Of course there were women and children and civilians here and there, and barking dogs and feasting seagulls. But the overriding impression as they climbed the steady hill from the shops and up, onto the broad, flattened hilltop of the hoe, was of entering a kind of naval jamboree. Everywhere there were groups of sailors, sitting on benches, gathering in chattering circles, sprawling on the grass to sunbathe, eat ice creams, or simply gaze out across the sound to where other ships were manoeuvring. Charles didn't think he had ever felt so buoyed up at being surrounded by men. Well, we'll leave it there, and you can find out more by reading Mother's Boy for yourself.
0: Oh, to be surrounded by a group of sailors again. Let's leave my shoreleaf exploits aside. I want to thank Patrick for joining us on the podcast this week with a reading from Mother's Boy, which is published by the fine people at Tinder Press. It is a brilliant and brave and ambitious thing to write about the life of someone in living memory. And already, this bet is paying off. There's a huge amount of praise for the book, including from us So get your hands on it at your local independent bookshop, you know the drill, get down there, or you can support our podcast and the stuff we do at Salon by buying through our shop on bookshop.org. If you know somebody who loves historical fiction, particularly about the war, then please do share this episode with them. Friends help friends. And if you'd like to put your name in to win a copy of Mother's Boy, then do subscribe to our newsletter. Details are available on our website, which as you know is all the w's.theliterysalon.co.uk. And we've got loads of salons coming up, so check out our events tab. You'll want to join us online or in person. Can you believe it? We're back. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon.